Broadcasting live from our satellite studios in Boston, Massachusetts, it's time for the special on-the-road edition of Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals who are improving performance and driving business results. And we are back with another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. Stone Peyton, Lee Cantor, broadcasting live from Boston, Massachusetts, Lee, I think we're on the home stretch here. We have had some marvelous conversations, caught up with some old friends, made some new ones, but I don't think any of it holds a candle to this last segment. I know this is the headliner, the moment we've been waiting for. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast Head of Product Education with State Street Global Advisors, Miss Sharon Claffey Calubi. How'd we do? Very good, yeah, very good. Like That's 90%. excellent. Ninety percent. From now on, it's shared. Let's <laughs> take a shot at it. We are so delighted to have you. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here. Um, before we get too far into this, can you share a little bit about State Street? What are you guys doing for folks? Um, well, we do advising, and um, really, my role there is embedded in the product education area. So, mm-hmm. ensuring that our distribution salespeople have full understanding of what our focus products and um, strategies are going forward. And that changes periodically. So you it have does. To yeah, it's something you have to stay on. Um, so yeah, on that's the ball. good job security for you, right? Oh, there's no. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's great. I love the environment. I love the culture. It's a wonderful company. So you have um, a distributed Salesforce all over the country, the world. Yeah, it's um, fairly a new role for me, but um, even in past organizations, really focusing on the distribution or sales folks mm-hmm. is a key component because at that point, learning impacts the business results. Right, and that's really the direction that I see um, any type of learning having to make and so we're here today to talk about global learning and how do you define that Uh, global learning I would say global learning is learning for today and tomorrow so regardless of whether or not your organization is globally located it is something that you're gonna have to think about if you're gonna be in a business um, in the years to come so you're not looking at the word global meaning the globe Yes and no. I mean, if you think about social media and the internet, even Mm -hmm. if your presence is uh, North America, your audience, whether or not you want it to be, is going to be global. So you need to have a broader mindset Mm -hmm. um, and noting that anything you create is going to have some sort of impact globally, whether or not it's where the organization's located. So doesn't this have some kind of impact on all the way, not just delivery, but all the way back to design when you know you're delivering it? to that many different kinds of constituencies? It, it does. It does. It goes to the old saying, the uh, WIFM, W-I-F-M, <laughs> kind of radio-like. Um, <laughs> Boy, she, she, she came that, fully that's loaded. What, that happens to be our call letters <laughs> yeah, exactly. here. Uh, right. There you go. And it's what's in it for me. Um, so if you think about it, you're not designing the learning for yourselves, which was a mistake that's been done in the past with any type of learning, mm-hmm. but you're designing it for the audience or potential audience, and that it should be global in mindset. So now when you're dealing with different cultures, how does that, how do you manage that? Mm, that's, um, that's a really great question. You can think of it as, um, you know, translation and then localization and localization when you're thinking about different cultures. And I'm saying regional cultures, there's also corporate culture, but starting with the regional culture is understanding it's not a direct translation via language or even meaning. It's actually having an understanding of how folks do business in Mm. that region. And that leads us more into localization. Um, On the other angle of corporate culture, that's its own beast or blessing, (laughs) as you may say. Um, And that's something you really have to invest time and research to make sure you have that understood. And that varies with every organization. 
So how do you uh, handle it at State Street? Um, I'd not even just say State Street. I'd say in general, from a learning perspective, it's doing a really thorough needs analysis, Mm -hmm. taking the time uh, to go slow so you can go fast. So if you do the research and investment of time at the forefront, speaking to the organization at all levels and in all roles, you'll get a real understanding of where it's at culturally, both regionally as well as corporate-wise. So I bet you've seen over time some consistent patterns. You've seen organizations maybe start to fall into the same traps and almost to the point where you maybe you, you start to roll your eyes and say, here we go again. What are some of those common mistakes that you see companies make with respect to, to learning in general, but particularly when they try to attack global? I th- that's a great question because it's it's almost been through the evolution of time that we see similar mistakes come up. So there's this concept of, well, it worked in the classroom. Let's just put it online. And most times, not all times, you put it online for a large distributed workforce, which is usually global. Mm -hmm. And that is probably the worst thing you can do is keep the mindset of the classroom and then expect it to work online. I mean, even if you look at the way that people use the Internet today, YouTube is a very different animal than watching TV in your home than reading a book. So Mm -hmm. if you think about it from a learning perspective, um, the solution or the advice I would give is you want to uh, deploy globally. Make sure you have that larger mindset and the ability to get distribution out to the uh, to the global workforce, but deliver locally. And that really comes into that localization translation concept. Get champions in the regions to be the people delivering it in whatever means that might be. It may be cascading messaging if they're an executive, or it may be having uh, real champions delivering it instructor-led like. So uh, you get buy-in that way. And if you work with them ahead of time, it's not your idea. It's the idea of the region as well. And then so you let them kind of author it to uh, a certain Yeah, degree. almost, um, almost uh, I want to sponsor it would be mm-hmm. the best word. They're, if they didn't create it, they're at least included in the creation. You're not right. forcing it on them. And if they're really the creators, they're, they're the sponsors of it, then they want to push it out and they want success. Right. So their success is your success. I really like the way this sounds, but I want to play it out a little bit more and get very uh, to where I can clearly understand it. So can you walk us through an example of how you would deploy globally and deliver locally? Mm-hmm. I can give you a really a really good mistake that was made many uh, years yeah, ago, because we all love to hear that sometimes, yeah. is uh, there was deployment of what we would call... Um, uh, what did we call them? Remote learning kiosks. This was way back. They looked almost like uh, very, from a U.S. perspective, Brady Bunch-like. They had this <laughs> 70s look and you <laughs> locked it up. God forbid you learned off when you weren't Couldn't supposed that. to, when you weren't <laughs> scheduled. That terrible. Um, and it was designed to go in New York City, London, and Hong Kong. And we thought, yeah, we are so So it was global. in the office? It would be in the office. Just um, like in the hall. In the in the hall or in <laughs> like the corner, in the or closet or something. <laughs> right. And it kind of opened. I actually had one of these at home, which was scary enough for the first years of, you know, working from home. And you would lock it up and then open it up. And you say, there's your computer. Sign in with a piece of paper. Get your online learning because we want to be remote. And um, we, we did the right thing. One positive thing is you need to go in person to sometimes deliver things 
online to ensure that you get the buy-in of the region. So right. mm. uh, in New York City, we had to drag it down the street. I forget it was Park <laughs> Ave or someplace ridiculous, which was kind of funny. You got, and you're on a, it's on a it's dolly. It's on a wheelie <laughs> dolly, yeah. And it was just like real grassroots. But they they valued that. The New York office was like, whoa. And in London- Look what we got. <laughs> exactly. We didn't fit in the elevator. And they were like, you're idiots, right? You didn't measure. No it one measured it. It was US designed. <laughs> right. Not, another mistake. Um, and we get it out there. And then in Hong Kong, the best best comment was from one of the employees there saying, we're excited, this is great, but why do you call it remote if it's in the office with me? <laughs> right. So we That's changed remote the name. to us. <laughs> right? And that was our audience. So we then called them training centers, right. spelled European, T-R-E, just to at least acknowledge there's a different way of spelling. Right. Um, we looked at the content that we provided. Yes, it was online. And obviously, these all the success of these were that they were not valued. We didn't need them. Everyone could get learning on their desktop. They could get it and they were allowed to learn during the day because wow. it was embedded yeah. in the workflow. And they had real people champion, real live human beings coming mm -hmm. around, ensuring that it was understood and that there was context to where it was being provided. Right. And that context was local. So there's the deliver locally. It doesn't even have to be a classroom. It can just be having a, a senior manager explain its value and importance from that contextual, you know, uh, perspective. So I think that that was um, really humorous. Um, we went light years beyond it, but you almost have to uh, fail a little bit and take note and then share that failure and not be embarrassed by it. Right. So that others I, almost to the it. point where you keep it in the office as a reminder. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's still in your house, right? And in your garage <laughs> to remind yourself. It was believed to be successful. It was not a failure, but it was a failure in its own right, which led to great success. You right. know, the accidental learning. So. Right. But so, it's still learning. How do you decide what to train on the, the, the content? Is that coming down through leadership or can you use some of these same tools and mechanisms so that you've got like this, this two way loop where they can right, where feed it bubbles back to you from, what they need mm -hmm. and what? I, I like that. I think there is a two way loop. I think you need to be real perceptive and understand what are the mission, the values, the goals of the organization right. you're in. Um, you also have to hear what's going on at all layers. So if you're really lucky and you're in a corporate culture that supports all of that feedback, it's taking note of that. And then the key, and uh, people that have been in the industry will have heard this a trillion times, but it is worth saying, is align it to the business goals. If you can't do alignment to something that they're expected to deliver, you're not going to get the um, serious attention of the executives. And if you can't measure um, anecdotally or numerically, um, people aren't going to believe that you even had any impact. So you really have to have that forethought ahead of time. And then when you use measurement, what uh, what are the things you like to measure on? Well, ideally, I like the measurement that comes at you versus you have to pulling it. But you have to be prepared to speak in numbers. I like to be incredibly analytical, um, even if it's just measurement of who's actually clicked on something. Is it being used? And then really recording and taking note of the feedback you're receiving, positive and negative. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, some of the biggest failures can lead to the greatest success. Right. Um, and then being able to report that back at appropriate times at the um, industry events that you have within your company. Like, are they, is the sales group meeting? Um, is the leadership group having another area where you can um, as much as keep notes so that you're aware of it? And then be invited to the table is the long range goal that they're saying, well, we, we need you in here. And just today I was able to even deploy uh, some messaging and communication as to what we're working on and are we headed in the right direction? So you're not telling them that you're doing this. You're 
kind of listening and saying, we're headed in this direction. Oh, that's great. You know, is it and, and you're really in? listening for them to come Yes, back? oh, because yes. Because you have to make adjustments because just because it sounded like a good plan and it was a good plan right. three months ago, we right. might have made a change based on new information we have and we have to be able to adjust, right? Right, and don't ask if you're not going to do anything about it. Like, if you can't <laughs> impact it, be upfront and say, it's here, this is, but here's what we can change. Right. Don't, don't ask because that's more frustrating. You've just pulled yourself back probably two or three months if you're going to ask for their thoughts and then you're not going to do anything about right. it. Holy cow. <laughs> that that's, never happens, that's just right? Mean. <laughs> I, that's, I can't do it. That's, that, that's just mean is what that is. Are you having any experience, uh, any success with informal structures? And I don't know if the right word is mentoring. Maybe that's more formal oh, yes. than what I'm indicating, but yes. helping the next guy out. It's, um, I mean, that's where so much learning occurs. I think there's, you know, statistics up the yin-yang about 80% of learning happens, you know, out, outside of the classroom. 100% true, but being able to give guidance so that you're managing it and it's not managing you. Right. So programs like job shadowing or mentoring, and that usually, funny enough, comes from business folks that are really invested and have that insight and the thing that i believe a and d role is to support that to facilitate it and to encourage success with it so that you're once again making their life easier and they're doing what they can do well now uh is there a formal mentoring program um i think i've been in organizations that have had that yes mm -hmm. and or job shadowing and i think it looks differently for each organization based on the culture right and i think that's really important um supporting the hr functions allows you to do that so as many times as you can partner and i remember way back that they would say hang out take the it folks to lunch like make the right partners to make things so happen. like um not in your own department necessarily just to oh right? correct um yeah today i just had lunch with some uh folks or individual from the l d you know corporate area the more you can hear and find out what's going on or pick up a sport and i for years way back i did roller hockey because that's what all the it folks did now i was not very good at it <laughs> Another point of failure. Roller <laughs> hockey, because that's what the, the IT people did. Yeah, way back, you know, it was you know, late 90s well, How many people took up fencing? Ah, zero. <laughs> they don't need to understand me. I need to understand them, maybe. <laughs> Very good. Good point. <laughs> All right, so you get information from these. Where do you get your inspiration? Uh, you just oh, seem like you're gosh. so... No, you, you just you seem like you're so energetic about what you're doing and, and I suspect what you have in front of you that you haven't started doing. Yet. No, I, I, I love what I do and that's just really fortunate and I've had, uh, there's been some great industry mentors out there globally, um, a lot of international folks, Donald Taylor, Nigel Payne, Elliot Macy from the US, I know I'm leaving out folks. Um, they have been really a part of my development within the industry and the career mm -hmm. and I strongly encourage folks is to look at folks out there that inspire you. Um, geez, even where I am today is much related to uh, someone you had to speak earlier, Dave DiFilippo, really oh, yeah. guiding and mentoring and putting you in the place that you need to be. Um, that gives you passion and inspiration, and it excites you to look at the unknown and say, I can, I can get there or I can have fun trying to get there. And so. Don't you find the people in learning and development, they're very collaborative and they want to help and they're open to helping like there's a lot of times you can there's authors of books you can go Absolutely. i'm going to just reach out to this person me and, and they're going to respond back like it's not unusual for them to respond back and answer a question like that's Great not point. you know out of you know it's not impossible it's one of the few industries that if you can get lucky enough to be able to be supported to go to events or to connect online with folks um i i don't think i can remember a time where i've been pushed away right. and it's really it it 
walks the talk. Like people that are really in it are in it because they want to learn. And, and there's value. I, the thing I like about mentoring programs, there's value for the mentee, but there's also value for the mentor. Oh, absolutely. You know? And yes, people think like, Oh, that's just another thing I have to do, but it, it's something that's going to really be beneficial for you. Uh, yeah. There, there's this whole talk a couple of years ago about reverse mentoring and having to be aware of it. And if you don't get caught into what the job role is, what the age is, um, I think this back and forth mentoring is so beneficial um, for any industry. Mm-hmm. So are you finding that there is specific technology, I don't know, learning management systems, apps, uh, computers or something that are really... It's kiosks, the Brady Bunch. <laughs> yeah, the Brady Bunch <laughs> kiosks. Yeah, the... I'm not letting go of that. Because <laughs> <laughs> it gave you a visual, didn't right, it? I, and, and it like looked like that. Exactly. It did look like that. <laughs> <laughs> that slanted. Right. Yeah. yeah, I'm not that recommending 70s, that approach. Uh, um, but is there relatively recent uh, technology and or technology coming down the pike that, you're, that you might share with the rest of us? Hey, you guys ought to keep an eye on this because it's really going to help you with this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, what I would say is there's there's some solutions and I'd love to give some names off here and I'm not aligned with any company, but there's also uh, having an awareness when you're looking to partner or work with vendors, where are they located? Um, ah, do you want to boy. get a U.S.-based vendor that may be doing the um, stereotypical and, and Europeans will laugh like, here's the man, here's the woman, here's an African-American, here's an Asian-American. And you know, it's very rare that you would get all this jammed into every screenshot for the produced <laughs> visual. But if you partner with real global minded companies, and I've been fortunate to be able to do that and have an awareness of the industry from that perspective. And if you don't reach out to others, they will help. Right. Um, that can really elevate the level of what you're deploying because it will have an awareness of, hey, did you know in the UK, this is how it's spelled? And, you know, and, you know, and it's those Brazil. little things are big things, you know, exactly, exactly. And then a neat um, Fonz Trompenars, who was just at learning technologies um, in London last year he has this whole online resource uh, regarding cultures and you know he's got apps and tools and many times folks don't charge for it but you get access and you get connected um, there are vendors that charge folks like they have globe smart uh, there's Google Hangouts Skype um, really neat way to connect face-to-face connection mm-hmm. with your champions globally. I think it goes miles and creates a different type of relationship if you can't fly everywhere and get there. Um, and then, you know, the typical GoToMeeting, WebEx, all those type of synchronous tools are, are very helpful along with the asynchronous tools. What about um, any, like, smartphone-oriented Ah, good. Okay. Really good question because I don't know if I would lean towards one or the other. I mean, I think they all have, you know, even BlackBerry has its implications as to where it's got strengths. Along I with have the a iPhone. flip phone. Flip phone. <laughs> He's like, you yeah, razor. I, I got a razor. Just saw a movie about that. Yeah. You're like, wow. Like, how does that work? But I would say in the development process of any learning, um, one lesson I learned is the deployment of like knowing that Flash wouldn't work on an iPhone or iPad and right. HTML5 does. I'm not technical. I know enough just to that say. That sounded Whoa. very smart. <laughs> no, uh, sure did. Well, yeah, but, that, man, that just rattled right off. I just wrote a note and, about it. Um, <laughs> I would say as you're developing, do it for the future. Say, hey, our whole team may not be on iPhones or iPads yet, but would be cool as we develop this. Let's shoot the video in a format that when we are That'll ready. It will accommodate it, right? It will, so you it don't will have to redo mobile, it, right? Right. So we don't have to keep talking about mobile learning like right. for 20 years right. and say, are we there yet, you know? So are you uh, directly involved in, in recruiting at all? Do you get your hand in that? Um, not directly, but we have we have partnering meetings with HR and in previous organizations. I think that was key to success. Things like um, 
onboarding, pre-boarding. Um, yeah. I've been very fortunate to say that when it's created properly and it lives outside the firewall, certain components <laughs> of that are designed so that you can market and bring in potential hires, not just in the U.S., but um, in Asia, there's, I believe, a month to two months before someone fully comes on board. So many times you lose a new recruit because their current company woos them back. If you can have the right partnership with L&D for something like a pre-boarding or an instructional, almost commercial, to get them engaged before they walk through the door, that's a massive win. And there's tons of research on that. You know, the investment that you'll save by making sure you get that person to feel as though they made the best professional decision to come work for that organization. Um, I think in the UK, that really goes a long way, as well as the US, where only, it's usually only two weeks or less than a month. In European um, and in Asia Pacific, it's a lot longer, and it's really very important. And that it's, as you said earlier, when you look at uh, learning through this global perspective, that stuff becomes obvious and things you have to, you That's know, the, absolutely right? right? It is. And it's, it's interesting. You think you may know it, but please don't ever think, oh, I've, I've de deployed in India before. Everything is changing. changing. The world is right. like at rapid speed. So going slow to go fast. I know it sounds ridiculous at times. Taking the time to look at these details will definitely speed things up because once folks see it, you know, there was a saying, if you build it, they will come. And that is not true. However, if you build it with the right mindset, they'll want to be included. And I think that will help you know, further any initiative that you're doing from an L&D perspective. So I have to ask, because I have uh, very little experience or exposure to actual product training. And I know that, mm -hmm. that your title, at least as it was provided to us, it in includes um, product education. Uh, how do you go about designing product education that is fun and exciting and because it, it, it strikes me as it almost you have you almost have to do more for a product than you might on some other topic that's a great that's a great question in the sense that um i think you need to make it that much more engaging so i like to do engagement educate and power so that you're going to initially engage three e's yeah that, three i don't e's. think that was actually there's enable too but that's kind of crazy <laughs> right. let's not go let's crazy not go. <laughs> this is the sharing methodology we're <laughs> exactly. being exposed three, to this oh, is the three e <laughs> <laughs> um but the neat thing with that is understanding it may take more time to create something that's more condensed for the engagement factor so going back to even in media designing commercials you know you really have to spend time i think the shorter the commercial the more take time it takes to develop because it has to be that much more impactful yeah in the so less time, um right? yeah, yeah considering what's your audience um will they be invested to sit for seven minutes or is a one to three minute nugget of information going to engage them mm -hmm. um they then feel educated and what you've then done is empowered the learner, hopefully to be able to either educate others or to do their job better. Mm -hmm. So I would say in regard to the product education, and, and this goes for any specific education, I think for sales or distribution, having that mindset that time is money, you need to make every minute that they spend looking at your work or instructor led, you know, meeting with you needs to really flow into their work, their daily workflow. And to do that, it really requires that time up front. And then once it's out there, the snippets and the uh, accurate information to allow for consistent messaging is going to be that much more valued. Now, when you're speaking of the clarity of message, is that 
you're you're getting that from above, and then it has to kind of trickle down to everybody. I don't think so. Uh, I think Sharon's well, designing, no, and then she's going Sharon, above and saying, "Sharon no. is above." I don't know if there no, is an above. I, I think there's there's so many <laughs> amazingly um, you know talented people from a sales perspective, or even from an industry product knowledge. I wouldn't dare step in their shoes and say that I would know it better than them. Um, I think you let the experts do the talking when possible, mm-hmm. and then you give them the vehicles to deploy that so that it comes out. But do you manner. help them with the clarity of message, like to get it um, down? Sometimes so to get the timing down, it might be not that I would know what to cut out as much as they would, but I would say you have a priority here. If you need to make sure that someone's going to act on this, what is the more important message? And right. um, that really has been appreciated, uh, valued so that there's not the sifting through the information, what's the key message? Um, because... Uh, when it comes to something that important and that directly impacting the business in any organization, you really have to focus on making sure you're getting, I wouldn't try to guess the right design of it, but I would get the expert to do it and then really work with the expert to make sure we get that final version. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that for what my opinion is worth. And I could even see an advantage in not having subject matter expertise because because then they really have, have, to, to have to. If I can clear. understand it, there thumbs up. I'm like, oh wow. Yeah, I wasn't going to say it that way. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I think that would be that would be a lesson too. Would be um, you know, you're act as though you're not the expert in true unless right. you truly are, unless it's uh, really talking yeah. about your industry and uh, create an equal respect there. You know, um, they it has to not be dismissed. L and D should be valued. Um, one thing I would say is people that apologize. I'm so sorry you're here. I'm taking your time. No way. I'm providing something yeah, of value, value as absolutely. you are, you know, you've got these experts that are embedded. And that's why when you get the key folks, either the CEO or the product folks or the distribution folks to speak and be that spokesperson, the subject matter expert, people want to listen. And that that's the important part right. of it. So now what's the most rewarding part of your job? Um, I love to learn. So from a personal perspective, um, I, I really get thrilled by that. And uh, I think it's kind of cool to be able to do it in an environment where, you know, there's energy and folks want to learn to make money uh, or want to learn to do the best by an organization. So personally, and I love to learn in many areas, not just the corporate world, but I think that is what drives me personally. What about the international aspect? Did oh, you had the opportunity to travel? Um, it, yes, um, I, I've been able to uh, deploy things in person globally. I've been partnered and mentored and championed um, by folks globally. And I think that, too, is thrilling. Um, you get a different perspective on life. So it, there is a crossover. You know, it's, it kind of fulfills you as a person because you just become that much more worldly and aware. Now, and what, are, what are some of the things uh, having traveled so extensively that you picked up oh i want to write a book someday um i can't even i don't know if i should say some of the stuff on radio about the mistakes you can make just you with really the love the mistakes <laughs> that's right i do because you, really you can you don't have to make them twice <laughs> I, I think you can make them well once. now i don't have to make them once because i'll just <laughs> reach listen to you. well there, here's the neat thing is um, most of us are super cautious when we travel abroad if the language is not our own and really, I think some of the biggest uh, business implications and mistakes can be when the language is the same, when we're speaking English, but it may be um, a dialect coming out of the UK or Ireland or um, other parts of the world where, you know, English is really prevalent. There will be mistakes because not everybody will be coming from your perspective. So it takes us back to the theme of the global learning is thinking about where they're coming from, um, saying things that from a Boston perspective, even in the United States, there's great mess ups you can do just by speaking to someone in California or down south. If you're a New Englander, they might sneakers, I guess is you know, weird terms. 
But from a learning perspective, um, there's a whole list I can't think of right now, but I think that could be a fun book, wouldn't it? You know, <laughs> yeah, like that's great. Terms and what not to say here or there. <laughs> well, I look forward to reading it, and I look forward to, we got to do this again. You, I mean, you are learning so much so fast, and you're willing to capture it, and you're willing to share it. We got to have this conversation every so often. That's I, great. I, I, I think we're ready for like the sharing show. Don't you? <laughs> the, I think this would be a great deal of fun. Before we wrap, um, I, I can just sense uh, that you are definitely the type of person that is willing and able to collaborate with folks. If someone wants to learn more about what you're up to or wants to reach out to you, is, is like a, a LinkedIn or you're mm -hmm. hanging out at some of these associations where they can connect with you? Um, absolutely. Um, I'm a part of many of the conferences in the industry out there. I'm on LinkedIn. I don't think there's many with that type of <laughs> you just, a long you name. You might be it, right? Double barrel name without the hyphen. Um, <laughs> so uh, absolutely. And I, I love that. I've recently been reached out to uh, by a few folks randomly in the past six to nine months about industry questions. And the neat thing is I sometimes go back to these folks almost always and try to get their perspective because it's just somebody you yeah. wouldn't walk into. But, uh, you know, due to social media, you're able to connect with. And right. I, I really love that. Well, Sharon, it has been an absolute delight. I am quite sincere in saying that we can and will do this again. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us. Thank you. This is a little nerve-wracking, but I, I actually enjoyed it. <laughs> well, good. Don't, don't act so surprised. <laughs> you made it fun for us. I think that's a wrap for Lee Cantor, Dan Collier, Steve Capon, the whole Training Pros team, our last guest, Sharon, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family. This is Stone Payton signing out. We'll see you next time on Learning Insights. This has been a special Business Radio X production brought to you by Training Pros, your source for local learning and development experts. Learn more at training-pros.com.